The week following the Molotov and the Osiris was quiet for the most part. There were less corpses roaming the grounds at night and the Osiris had gone quiet. But deep down, I knew it wasn't over. Seeing the pit in the centre of the Osiris confirmed the rumour that had been circling the town. The cemetery was built on some sort of portal to the underworld. It also confirmed my suspicions of the priests in a way. They had to have known about all this, but why were they keeping it quiet? Regardless, I needed to be on my toes. I was almost definitely on the creatures in the bone house's radar, and that did not bode well for me in the slightest. I went back to the cabels and picked up more ammunition along with a large bowie knife and machete. If it came down to it and I found myself surrounded by the undead, I wouldn't go down without taking a few more of those things with me. After returning to the cemetery, I was met by one of the priests. He informed me that a terrible accident had occurred today. A group of bikers had been struck and killed by a drunk driver and that I would need to prepare six graves for the end of the day tomorrow. I nodded to him and made my way inside to prepare myself for the work that lay ahead of me. During the day I must have blacked out while digging the graves because I found myself standing before the augury, totally transfixed on the doors. Something inside me was telling me to open them, an alien voice in the back of my head, telling me if I just opened those doors, all my problems would be over. I began to shake. I didn't know why, but some morbid curiosity told me to enter the augury. Perhaps it was the augury itself. Maybe the old bone house possessed some power that could influence me into entering, sealing my fate. I tried to resist, but my body began to move on its own. Before I could realise what was happening, I had pushed open one of the heavy stone doors. Suddenly, a low voice emerged from the augury, telling me to enter. I slowly stepped back. I knew if I walked through that doorway, I would die. The door would slam shut behind me and I would be at the mercy of whatever laid within. My heart began to race, but my body did not comply. I stepped through the doorway and was met with a tall figure wearing a tattered black cloak. The figure told me not to be afraid, but that was easier said than done. Be not afraid, child. I stuttered trying to find words. Who are you? What do you want? Why do you destroy them? What? My children, why do you kill them? The corpses? They've killed people. They're monsters. Suddenly the cloaked figure began to float. His voice became deeper and more commanding. The post-mortals are mine. Who are you to pass judgement on them? I stepped back, half expecting the thing floating in the centre of the room to descend upon me, dragging me to hell or wherever it came from. They are killing people. Innocent people. They have to be stopped. If left unchecked, they could kill every living thing they come across. The world would end. That is not your decision to make, boy. Suddenly the cloaked figure was gone, and I was all alone in the augury. I saw the pit in the centre of the room and stepped forward, peeking over the edge. What I saw in the abyssal depths of that pit made my blood run cold and my body freeze in place. I turned and ran from the augury, pulling the door closed on my way out. I ran to the groundskeeper's building and began to prepare myself for later in the night. I fashioned a knife belt out of the old tool belt in the supply shed and the holster that held my revolver. I strapped the machete to the belt and duct taped the bowie knife to the shotgun, crafting a makeshift bayonet. Night fell and I watched from the window as all but one priest piled into their van and headed off. Why was one staying behind? <laughs> Never mind, it didn't matter. If they didn't know what was happening in the cemetery after sundown, then they surely would now. 
About three hours after sundown, about eight corpses began to wander the grounds. I grabbed my weapons and headed out towards the church. I killed two of them before heading inside. The priest made himself known, visibly upset that I had set foot in the church. What are you doing in here? Leave. Now! Do you have any idea what's going on outside? The dead have risen. We need to leave now. My boy, you... you won't be going anywhere. Suddenly the priest pounced on me with a speed and strength that did not match his visible frail and weak frame. He wrapped his bony hands around my throat and began to squeeze the life from my body. I fought to stay awake with every ounce of strength I could muster but it was no good. I had to get him off of me or I was as good as dead. I had dropped the shotgun when the priest pounced but I still had the machete and revolver on my tool belt. I grabbed the revolver and stuck it into the priest's torso, unloading all six shots into his body. The priest rolled off me moaning in pain but I knew it wouldn't be good enough to keep him down. He wasn't human. I needed to act fast if I wanted to keep the upper hand. I reholstered the revolver and grabbed the machete. I raised it above my head and brought it down onto the priest's neck. The blade was sharp. Really sharp. It only took two swings to completely decapitate the priest's head from his body. I watched for a moment as a thick black fluid poured from the wound. I didn't have time to question what just happened. All I knew was that my suspicions were correct. The priest had something to do with the strange things happening in the cemetery. I retrieved the shotgun and slung it over my shoulder before turning my attention to the dead nightmare priest. I had to hide the body. The others would know something was wrong, but I had to try. I quickly ran to the supply shed, killing another three corpses on the way there, and retrieved a burlap sack to hold the severed head. I ran back to the church and placed the egg-shaped head into the bag before tying it to my belt and grabbing the body, throwing it over my shoulder. The priest was incredibly light, making it easy to get the body to my truck as quickly as possible. I made it to my truck and threw the head and body into the bed, covering them with a tarp and taking off towards the lake. Crocodiles were illegal in Arizona, but people still kept them as pets, and when they got too big or people just end up getting tired of them, they dumped them in the local lakes. One such lake was about 40 miles from the cemetery. It would be a long trip, but it needed to be done. About two hours later, I finally arrived at the lake. I grabbed the body and head from the bed of my truck and headed towards the water. I didn't have to search long for a place to dump the body. At the edge of the water, several pairs of reflective eyes emerged from underneath the surface. I walked a little closer before dumping the body. Only a few seconds passed before the crocodiles emerged from the water and tore the remains of the priest to shreds. I watched for a minute or two before turning and heading back to the truck. After stopping at a gas station on the way back to the cemetery, I went in to grab a coffee and pay for the gas. After paying, I walked back towards the truck and I could have sworn I saw someone watching me from the darkness. I was getting paranoid. I needed to get back to the cemetery and barricade myself in the groundskeeper's building until morning. Unfortunately, I couldn't do that. After pulling into the cemetery's parking lot, I noticed another vehicle that didn't belong. It wasn't the priest's van, it was a rusted El Camino. I grabbed my shotgun from the passenger's seat and headed into the cemetery to find whoever was trespassing on the grounds after dark. I searched all over the grounds but I couldn't find anybody. I gave up and went into the groundskeeper's building to get some sleep. When I opened the door, I raised my shotgun instinctively at the man standing in the middle of the room. He turned to face me and smirked. He was an older man. A weathered face covered in scars masked by a bushy white beard stained yellow around the mouth from years of cigarette smoking. 
He wore an old olive green army coat and matching cargo pants. I asked him who he was and what he was doing here. He chuckled and told me his name was Ernest and that he used to work at the cemetery several years back. 